Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. Gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Maureen in New Zealand, good morning to you. Got to confess, I'm a little bit sleep deprived this morning because, of course, I watched State of Origin 3 last night and uh, you can't go to sleep straight after a finish like that. It's impossible. So, uh, a little bit down on the Zeds and I don't expect to pick them up over the next three or four days either because the Open Championship is on. So, Love it. Love all the sport on TV at the moment, and we've got plenty of sport to talk about in the next three hours, including uh, the Farah Palmer Cup getting underway this weekend. Very important competition uh, for a lot of our leading players uh, because, of course, it's uh, another opportunity to impress selectors, another opportunity to stake a claim for World Cup berths. Um, So we'll talk to Willie Walker, who's the coach of the Auckland Storm, about his squad, his expectations uh, for the year coming up. Talk back uh, after 9.30, All Black side being named this morning, so we certainly want to hear what your thoughts are in terms of the changes. Now, it's only uh, a couple of hours away, about 11.30. Christchurch people might want to weigh in as well, because decision day, it's D-Day in terms of the stadium today as well, and that uh, decision will come out perhaps before uh, Staffy's show at midday. Uh, so we'll have a $50 chemist warehouse voucher to give away in terms of that. Craig Norenbergs is a, a rugby league pundit. He'll be in the studio to talk about that epic last night, that absolute epic clash won by Queensland. How did they turn it around after pounding they got in Perth? What were they able to do? What uh, was the secret? Jamie Wall and Graham Beasley will appear, the panellists this morning, around 10.20. Uh, lots to talk about there, uh, and uh, including... Um, Andrew Mertz, Mertz coming out and having a real crack at world rug- rugby refereeing as well. So uh, we'll see that. Uh, what are their picks for the All Black side? Uh, review of uh, State of Origin, Silver Ferns, etc. So plenty there. Uh, we'll have a pacing for Purpose Horse uh, around about 10 to 11 this morning. Mark Watson. You know Mark Watson? Uh, of course, uh, heavily associated with uh, our station, SENZ. Well, he's uh, over in Birmingham at the moment at the World Games commentating uh, and, and it just uh, seems like um, it's Birmingham, Alabama, just by the by. Uh, he's he commentating some really interesting sports, so we'll catch up with uh, Mark Watson uh, about what's uh, going on over there. A greyhound about uh, quarter to 12 this morning, and we shall review and uh, take a very close look at the naming of that all-black uh, side in the last uh, quarter of an hour as well before we hand over the reins to Staffy around about midday. Well, the domestic rugby calendar is about to explode with the Farah Palmer Cup getting underway this weekend, plus the NPC and the Heartland Championships commencing a little later in August. The Auckland Storm will be crossing their fingers that they can get a full season this year after their campaign was brutally cut short last year by a COVID outbreak, finishing up with just four games being able to be played. But it's a new year, and Auckland have named an exciting team loaded with talent. So we thought before they take on Counties Monaco this weekend... 
who better to get hold of and ask the Storm about the details uh, of their particular squad this year than their head coach, Willie Walker. Welcome to the show, Willie. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, good morning, Willie. Uh, thanks for having me along. No, no problem at all, mate. Really looking forward to the start of the season, as I imagine you are uh, after last year. It would have been a little bit hollow having to sit back um, with the way that you've played and uh, not be part of the finals. So this year, fingers crossed, eh? Yeah, it's pretty tough for the uh, for the group last year to, and everybody was in that same boat. There was obviously located up in Auckland, um, getting hidden away due to COVID, and the girls are really looking forward this year to hopefully getting through a full campaign. Okay, tell us about what a full campaign represents this year, the nature of the competitions, because sometimes these things change, of course. What are you looking at this year in terms of uh, the format? Yeah, we've got a full round, uh, round robin, which is uh, seven sides in the Premiership and then uh, semis and finals. Okay, so uh, that will all going well, give you uh, an opportunity to play probably about eight or nine games of footy this year, which will be great. Um, you've got a great legacy in the competition, Auckland, over the years, so uh, always a bit of pressure on a, an Auckland team um, with the drawing power that you've got of, of the players playing, yeah? Yeah, of course. I mean, throughout the years, like you say, the legacy has, has been awesome for Auckland. Um, and we're slowly making our way back up there. Uh, obviously, over the the last few seasons, Canterbury have been right at the top. And then, um, yeah, that Waikato jumped up there last year. Um, and we're, we're trying to build ourselves back into that mix. Tell us, uh, Willie, about your uh, coaching setup this year. Who, who, who are you working alongside? Uh, so I've got the legendary Anna Richards, uh, who will be looking after our um, our attack. And then uh, uh, we've just got on board Francis Stowers, who's the head of rugby at Sacred Heart, um, who's, who's coming mm. in to look after our forward pack. OK, let's uh, look at uh, how pre-season has gone for you, Willie. Uh, how have you shaped up, you feel? Yeah, not too bad. Um, again, it's been fairly rushed. It's quite a condensed pre-season. We've only had... Uh, three weeks together where the girls have been away from their club footy um, as have all the um, provincial sides so not an ideal build up but it kind of is what it is and we had a good hit out against Waikato on the weekend uh, just to get some some footy under the belts and um, we're really looking forward to to what's coming up. You've been happy with uh, the standard of rugby you've been seeing in the club side of things in the Coleman Shield? Yeah I have. Um, Rugby's improved uh, drastically over the, the last few seasons um, and it's just good to see the amount of players that are coming through, especially those junior levels coming through schools and, and then making that transition into club footy. Um, there's always a lot of experience still around, but with all the new, young, up-and-coming youth um, talent that is available, it, it's quite exciting times. What about at uh, secondary school level? Is it... Is, uh Women's rugby, girls' rugby, very strong at, at secondary school level. Do they have a, a comp as such, a, as a pathway? Yeah, it is. Um, there's, there's a number of secondary schools that have sides, and they play on a Monday evening. Um, right. and, and like I said, it's growing. Um, there are, I think, women's rugby across the country is one of the fastest-growing sports. Um, and so it's really exciting times. And a lot of those uh, talented girls that play on Mondays also... Uh, play club club rugby on the weekends, so they're getting a lot of footy in them. 
Right, let's uh, um, look at uh, your squad. And, and um, of interest to me is the availability. I mean, bearing in mind, it's such a huge year for women's rugby in this country, but, uh, of course, for the Black Ferns. What about the availability of uh, Black Ferns squad members? Uh, are they fully available to you? Uh, yeah, they are. Um, there's obviously the Laurie O'Reilly um, competition, which is two and a half way but in the middle of uh, FPC, so we'll lose a few of our black ferns that'll be available for that. Um, but the majority will be available for the whole of the season, which is exciting for us. Um, and it's good for the, those girls to be able to just get rugby. But all they need is more rugby, and uh, yeah, and, and it's only going to be better for them. What has been uh, your focus uh, in terms of? Um tactics and structure etc going into your first clash against uh, counties Monaco on Saturday yeah look we we've put a big focus on just being um, clear around everything we're trying to do obviously with the limited time and build up um, we're focusing on being fairly simple around what we're what we're trying to do we understand that it's a big game this weekend against counties you know our neighbours just over the hill and um, in these girls play them um, during club season as well, so we know them pretty well, and um, the excitement levels are huge. So, looking forward to it. You got six uh, current Black Ferns named uh, in your uh, Storm squad for this uh, year. We've got uh, some past uh, Black Ferns in there as well, but uh, at the moment you've got the uh, the current captain Rohe de Mont, who was uh, obviously learning the ropes as the Black Ferns captain, uh, but she will be, what, your key playmaker this year, you feel, when available? Yeah, she, yeah of course she will. She's uh, obviously highly experienced now at, at Black Ferns level and, and at FPC. Um, she's a huge part of our programme, um, and we're lucky to have her, as well as all of the other um, Black Ferns girls that are going to be available through the season. Like you say, we do have a few current, but we've also got a few former um, Black Ferns who are still pushing to be involved in that World Cup, so um, everybody's looking forward to uh, to getting on to got, uh, this weekend, actually. You've got a very talented uh, utility player in uh, Patricia Maliapo, uh covering several positions. Where, where would you be looking to maybe focus her? Um, probably in the midfield at this stage. Um, obviously with Ruahe at 10 uh, having Patricia alongside her at 12 is, just gives us an extra ball playing option um, we know that she can be direct and, and again her enthusiasm and youth is really exciting for us so anywhere that she can get on the field I'd be happy to put her Caitlin Vaha'akolo uh, looks to bring plenty of firepower to your midfield as well now this is a very interesting story this, uh, this is a young lady who scored 16 tries in the Coleman Shield this is on the back of uh, some action with the Newcastle Knights as well. What a talented all-rounder. Yeah, very lucky to have Caitlin come across to us. Um, she is very exciting, very raw to rugby itself. She's more um, focused on league. So, yeah, we're very lucky to have her, and I'm looking forward to seeing what she can do out there. Let's uh, look at the, the pack, of course, the engine room. Tell us about the strengths you've got in there. You've got some experience, but some new blood as well, obviously. Yeah, we do. We've, we've obviously got the uh, the young uh, new Black Ferns, Maya Roos and uh, Liana Makaeli too. Um, we've also got Fido Lafayette who's just made her uh, Black Ferns debut this year. So 
they bring a lot of firepower um, with them, but we've also got experienced players like Charmaine McMenamin, uh, Eloise Blackwell, um, and Christo Toffa. So yeah, across the pack, we're, we're fairly settled, and, um, and, and it's pretty exciting as well. So you're confident in um, that set-piece area? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident. Like I say, it's been a pretty shortened um, pre-season and, and trying to get everything together. The girls have been in and out due to Blackfern's commitments and stuff like that. So uh, I know that we've got the talent and experience to be able to put it all together. It's just uh, we'll see how we go on the weekend. And the Lucys, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that you've got Liana Makalitu'u in there and Tafito Lefeli. Uh, you look to have uh, quite a lot of depth in that area. Yeah, we're very lucky uh, to have those those players. But like uh, like you mentioned earlier, we potentially lose them halfway through the, the campaign yeah. for, for a couple of weeks. Um, and we need that depth to be able to cover those positions. So we're lucky to be able to bring some other players in, someone like Shannon Leota, who's been around a little while in our system, um, but also, you know, adds strengths in their own right. How do you cope as a head coach and a, and a coaching staff? How do, you, how do you try to get that balance for those two weeks when you lose that experience? How, how do you sort of ease your talent in to, for that covering, that covering period? Yeah, that's quite a tough one. Obviously, we we have to integrate them as much as possible uh, during trainings and give them opportunities uh, with game time. Um, we can't have girls coming into, obviously, stepping up into those roles without having any football. Uh, there is a development competition um, that is running alongside the uh, Farrah Palmer Cup as well, so uh, some of those players will get opportunities in that competition. Well, it's, uh, as you said, top seven, uh, bottom six split this year. So uh, six round-robin games against uh, the best New Zealand can put together. Have you been able to uh, get any uh, homework done on, on the, the other squads at this point? Is it is it uh, practical to do that? No, it's, most squads are generally, you know, you get new squads every year. You can pretty much see what they've done in previous years, but... Until we get through the first two or three rounds, we, we don't actually know what we're up against. Uh, we can plan as much as we, we want, but I think the main focus for us is just concentrating on what we can do and, and looking after our game. Um, and hopefully that's enough to get us through these first couple of rounds and then uh, we can start uh, analysing what other groups are doing. Once you get the competition underway, um, I understand there's a couple of really exciting days uh, for Auckland Rugby in particular in which you will feature in a couple of triple headers, one I think on August the 6th and maybe one a little bit later about the 27th. That looks an exciting day out. Yeah, I mean, any rugby where they have multiple games and and you get uh, all different types of uh, people watching crowds, you know, the, uh, the, the opportunity just to get rugby out in the uh, out in the public and, and get a whole group of, I suppose, the community out there to, to support it is good for, for the game. Uh, Willie, I, I noticed uh, just reading a few of the notes that um, you've got a, a few cross-code players within the group. I mean, is that quite symptomatic of, of uh, the, the young ladies, etc., that are playing, that, you know, they play a bit of touch, they play a bit of league, um, and then all of a sudden you've got them available to you? Are, are, are they, they're all rounders in that respect? Yeah, and I think it's it's 
actually good for their skill set, uh, good for their mindset to be able to cross over and, and try different things. It challenges them in different ways. Um, and obviously with touch in the summertime, it gives them the opportunity to stay reasonably fit and, and, and get their skills up. Um, and like you said, there's, we've got quite a few leagueies um, that throughout the club season will play rugby on a Saturday and league on a Sunday. So uh, they're full, pretty full on. Um, and it's just trying to manage how they get through an FPC season after uh, being so busy during the winter. Team culture has been a, a big focus in women's rugby this year. Uh, you, you feel as if you've got a, a really nice culture within the group already? Yeah, I, I think we have. Um, we do a lot of work on on connection and making sure that um, everybody uh, has a safe, safe space to, to be part of our group. Um, we had a really good uh, camp um, for three days a couple of weeks ago and, and we built on a lot of that stuff, uh, team building and, and culture and um, just getting to understand each other. Um, and I, like you say, it's really important at the moment um, and it's kind of the way forward, I think, in terms of getting the best out of the, the team. Anna, obviously, uh, Anna Richards is a vastly experienced uh, player, one of the legends of the game in this country. How do the girls regard Anna Richards? Well, like you say, she's a legend, um, and she, the girls have got a lot of time for her. You know, her experience is uh, unmatched, I suppose, and, and she's been around um, in the Auckland, obviously, the Auckland game forever. So um, the girls would be silly not to take her advice and, and, and take some of the lessons that she's got to hand out. Um, but, like, she's re- really valuable to have around, um, and, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to do it without her, I think. Willie, uh, great catching up with you. So look forward to the Farah Palmer Cup this year and all the exposure that it will get on television. Good luck with that first uh, encounter uh, this Saturday against uh, Countries Monaco. Thanks so much for your time. All the very best, eh? Thanks, Millie. You have a good day. Cheers. Yeah, same to you. Uh, Willie Walker there, head coach of the Auckland Storm, uh, one of seven uh, very powerful squads, it looks like to me anyway. I, think, um, I don't think there's any easy games uh, in that top echelon, uh, that's for real. Of course, defending champions Waikato, uh, Canterbury, who were uh, upset, I think it's fair to say, in last year's final. They will be such a determined bunch and don't write off uh, the other sides in that top uh, seven either. I think very competitive. Great for women's rugby uh, and this year that is going to be uh, the best it's ever been for women's rugby in this country, without doubt. 9.20 here on SCNZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, as I said, I stayed up and watched it last night and uh, I just can't get some of it out of my head. It was such a good... It took me so far back into some of the great State of Origin classes and just in case you missed it, here's a little taste of the action. Have opened the Blues up. Terry Evans kicks. There was no one back there. Terry Evans might have scored. Oh, they're both throwing the haymakers. <laughs> oh, well, Gagai got him. Is there a cattle dog call? <laughs> I hope not. Oh, Gagai got him. It's still up for Queensland, though. Ponga through. Caleb Ponga, oh, the magic man from Newcastle. He has threatened with every touch of the ball. And he's put his state ahead. A breakout series for Patrick Carrigan. Now Cleary. Oh, 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 o
It's been pitched by Ben Hunt. Go, Dozer! And racing away upfield. Go! Ben Hunt, he goes go! to the corner. Go! Ben Hunt wins the Origin for Queensland. What a moment in Origin history. Wow, does it just not? <laughs> that last uh, that try by Ben Hunt and, and the, the reaction to it as they just one by one just streamed down there and jumped on top of them because they're out on their feet, a lot of them anyway, but they found the energy to go get them. Uh, and then, of course, when he came back, they had that wonderful sh- uh, shot in the league, league in particular where the steady cam guy gets right in close to the face of the try scorer and he looks straight down the barrel, straight down the barrel Ben Hunt and sent Queenslander, you could just see it, Queenslander, and that is the absolute epitome uh, of what it meant to them. Uh, how they, uh, how they ever uh, picked themselves up after the flogging that they got in Perth and turned that performance uh, around to the extent that they did, I do not know. But we will try and find out from Craig uh, Norenberg's just after ten o'clock this morning. He'll be in the studio. Uh, and uh, we'll uh, consider uh, all those uh, options and just where that one ranked. Where did that game rank in terms of state of origin history? Depending, you know, when you consider what was on the line and the betting, etc. Uh, it was all over the blues, wasn't it? It was certainly all over the blues. And then, bang, it's uh, that that absolute thing that brings the best out in them. Something really, really special. Smith, uh, got I, a couple of. Uh, sorry, yeah, I, I guess. I, yeah. I, I don't know about you, but hearing Cam Smith yell "Go, go, go!" there in the commentary, I was getting shades oh. of Justin Marshall yelling "Go, Bodie!" That was awesome. Yeah, uh, that was amazing. Hey, eh? uh, that was amazing. What about uh, Jonathan Thurston on the sideline? Uh, JT, the med- uh, Mercurial JT on the sideline. Uh, are those guys, and, and you, we didn't get shots of people like. Uh, you know, so much like the guys like Alfie Langer and, and Wally Lewis and those guys going way, way back. Uh, but those um, Gene Miles, so those sorts of players that were way back in that era there. Uh, but we didn't see them. But, man, wonder what they were feeling in their respective corporate boxes or wherever they were watching it from. Yeah. Uh, right, so some texts to, uh, text to talk about before we uh, head into the news. Um, it was great to see the Biff back in origin last night. Didn't want a bit of Biff. What, three players, uh, two players sin bin, three uh, with head problem, concussion problems, etc. Oh, I know, mothers and, and people around the world saying, what a horrible, dangerous game. Hmm, don't know. Uh, what a game last night, says Jared. Um, like the 80s, glad I stayed up and on with you. Long nights ahead with all the sport coming up. Tips for the British Open, Morikawa for me, go back to back, Jared. Hope good news today with the stadium. It's uh, coming up in around about an hour's time as well. We might have news on that decision from the Christchurch City Council. Um, Jared from Christchurch, Brennan Nelson this week. Jared, good on you. And just finally, uh, my partner Dominic and I stayed up and watched the Origin game together last night. What can I say? That was entertainment. I hope the IRB takes some serious learnings from it. Would be would much rather watch league than Union at the moment. Uh, that's uh, from uh, Gus Shaw. Don't know if we can get people with their full names, but Gus Shaw. Uh, I think that's a Hawks Bay name too. Uh, here we, anyway, uh, we'll go to uh, uh, the news here with Araha. And when we come back, we will solicit some calls for you. Talk back time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811. Number of things to talk about this morning. Uh, what did you notice uh, about the the league last night that you liked? Um, what about the you know, how you compare that as a spectacle last night to what we're getting out of rugby at the moment? 
Love to hear your comparisons on that. League fans, got to ring up. You have to ring up this morning, 0800 150 and just tell us what you've thought of that. Uh, just absolutely special. Uh, and also, uh, people in Christchurch, what are you expecting? How important is it to you, this decision at uh, 10.30 this morning when the council meet on the proposed new stadium? Green light, red light, how are you predicting it to go? Uh, so I'd love to hear from you. I know there's been some uh, rumours of some work going on on the site, but that doesn't mean they've got the absolute green light, does it? Or does it? I don't know. Well, anyone, any of you that uh, have got views on that, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, yesterday, it was last cab off the rank, Neville. Uh, today... His first cab off the rank. Neville from Dunedin. Good morning to you. Good morning, Ian. Heaps of stuff on golf. Um, and um, there's one lovely bit of news about one of our young ladies. Um, I'll just go quickly on some headliners about what's going on with Liv. We've all heard what Tiger Woods had to say. Uh, nothing new, really. Um, a lot of people have been saying all sorts of things about money and that, and uh, some of them have gone for the money, and I've said that. Uh, we've got Rory McIlroy um, agreeing with the RNA banning um, Greg Norman from appearing at the 150th Open when he said, um, you know, they said uh, uh, that he would have, you know, undermine the purpose of the Open, which is debatable, of course. Um, now, the one of the really interesting thing that's just coming out is the PGA Tour is being investigated by the Department of Justice for engaging in anti-competitive behaviour against Liv Golf. Um, quite a few players' agents have been getting inquiries from this Department of Justice the Antitrust Division, which involves both the PGA Tour's bylaws, which governs uh, players' participation in other events, and uh, it's all regarding the recent actions against with golf. And one of the interesting things is the International Disputes Resolution Centre. Remember, they were an independent body, and they um, overturned the decision by the DP World Tour when they tried to ban all the golfers from playing in the Scottish Open. So that just might have some bearing on it. Um, the other thing I just want to say, um, there's been criticism of a lot of these guys, or most of them, all of them really, for not saying, oh, I'm doing it for the money, but Quite a few of them have quite openly said, look, it's a business decision. I don't make millions, and I'm doing it because it's um, a well-paid way to uh, continue to play golf. Justin Harding, he simply said, hey, I'm not looking for confrontation. I'm just trying to put food on the table. Um, The good bit of news I've got, Momoka Kabori, who has had two wins on the Lead Access Tour. Um, I said to her after her second win, I said, um, is, there a, uh, is there a criteria where you get automatic um, status on the full tour? And Mavika <laughs> said, I don't know, but I'll have to find out. Well, lo and behold, one week later, she's starting on the weekend in the full European tour where she's playing for $250,000 instead of 40000 So 
We'll be watching her very closely, and I'll certainly be ringing you on Monday, hopefully, um, with some good news. With an update, Neville, I appreciate that. I, I would also appreciate, uh, uh, with your knowledge of the game, uh, your selections for the Open Championship too, because uh, you know about Lynx Golf. So tell us uh, who you think may well be up there in the, the, this particular uh, 150th edition. Oh, that, <laughs> Ian, <laughs> that, that's, that's too difficult. Um, let's face it, um, Lynx players... Uh, we know Shane Lowry's good on the links. Um, oh, look, I, I've got no idea. I, I've actually been thinking, Ryan, this is his big opportunity um, because he plays pretty well on a links course. If he could have a good a good week, um, he could have his best ever finish by far. Um, Scotty Chef is always consistent, but... I don't know, he played so poorly in Scotland, I don't know that you could pick him. Oh, I've got to be honest, Ian, I have got no idea, but I'll tell you what, I'd be very intrigued if one of the live golfers could win it. I'd love to see Dustin Johnson win it. That would really put the wow. That would put a spanner in the works at the presentation. I can promise you that. There'd be one or two smiles and not that many more, I would be thinking. Neville, thanks so much for your call. Uh, the Open Championship beginning tonight, New Zealand time, and uh, coverage will go through the night for the next four nights. Fascinating stuff, watching Lynx golf, particularly if the wind is blowing. Uh, good morning to you, Zaid. What did you make of that last night, mate? Good morning, Smitty. What did I say to you yesterday on the show? I said Queensland's going to win. You were right. You were right. I thought they were... Because, you know why I thought they were going to win? It was the Suncorp record, right? And um, it's definitely on my bucket list. Haven't got to a state of origin yet, but I really want to go to one one day. Um, I've been to Brisbane and Gold Coast, but so far only in summer, so never got to a state of origin. The closest I've got to a rugby league game in Australia was a Titans-Bulldogs game a while ago in Gold Coast. I'm not... None of their fans. I'm obviously a Warriors fan, but I have got to one NRL game in Seabus Stadium so far. But, yeah, it's on the bucket list of State of Origin. But yeah, there's a player that I want to highlight, and that's Tom Dearden. They were saying Munster's gone, Munster's gone, Queensland's got nothing. Tom Dearden, did he stand up or what? He was outstanding. Uh, the halves were outstanding. Yeah, in fact, the whole team were absolutely outstanding. Um, you know, and Caleb, I, I, Caleb I just... Ponger, best, best game of his yep. life. But I just want to say, I just want to say, what did that game not have? It had concussions, it had punches, it had tries, it had knock-ons, it had forty twenties. What did that game not have? Didn't. And if that wasn't rugby, mate, those boys would have gone straight red card. That that would have been a, They would have both been off. But not nah, a rugby league. She's different rules. Come back on after ten minutes. Old Burden and um, old um, yeah, um, chuck the punches. Um, him and Dan Gagai were punching each other. But if that was in rugby, they would have been gone, wouldn't they, off Smitty? Yep, they'd be gone, and we wouldn't be seeing them for but, quite some time, I can tell you that. But, uh, Jose, what do you game. reckon? What, yeah, what, did you reckon we'd ever... How would it go at Eden Park, a, state, a one-off state of origin? Maybe game one, not a, not a deciding one. Game one, how do you reckon that would go? Well, it would sell out, but the thing is, it's, it's Australia's game. It's not in New Zealand. It's, it's stupid, really. It's like... Taking, like, I know it would be good, but it's like taking, imagine an All Blacks game to Australia, but Australia's not playing the All Blacks, you know what I mean? 
It kind of takes away yeah. from the glossary of the thing. There's no rivalry in sport like a state of origin. Like, there's nothing that comes close to New Zealand. Even, you know, we've tried North versus South, but we can never live up to it. We don't have enough money, don't have the infrastructure even in rugby to do it. You know what I mean? We're just... But it would yeah. take... It would be good in New Zealand, but I just don't know if it would work. It would take the gloss off it. You know, it's known for Australia. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, Zaid. I'll tell you what, I really do appreciate your call. Appreciate your call, mate. Absolutely fantastic. As always, I love your contribution to the show. Uh, and I look forward to hearing from you again tomorrow, I would imagine. 9.41 here on SENZ. We've got uh, two or three texts that have come in as well. Um, morning, Smithy. Game of the century. Won't call. I'm not talking to a Queensland supporter. Go on, you Spurs. Crazy. Come on. Get on the phone, mate. Get on the phone. The league was the winner. Surely league was the winner last night. Jim from Tamuka. A never-give-up attitude in the call Queenslander to bring them together to play for each other. An epic radio call, Smithy. So enjoyable. So enjoyable. Thanks, S-E-N-Z. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And Reed's come in as well. Reed from Gore, and he has said, Well-spoken, Zade. Great passion, Zade. We might have to give you the voucher this morning. Um, if, if people are saying that uh, that was good, we might have to give you the Chemist Warehouse voucher. I think Brian's even writing your name, your name down at the top of the list as we speak. Uh, and here's another one from Ken. We know Ken uh, very well, and uh, Ken wants, uh, <coughs> won't be happy until the whole 23 named by the All Blacks are actually um, Aucklanders. Uh, and uh, Ken is saying, Smithy, if the rumours are true, RTS, Roger Tuovasashek, will be in the 23, either starting at 12 or on the bench. I think it might happen. So there you go. That's Ken with uh, a little bit of a skullduggery behind it. Uh, Tim from Christchurch uh, is uh, dialled in this morning. Tim, good morning to you. Big, big decision being made uh, this morning about uh, the stadium in Christchurch. Hope it goes ahead. I, I don't know what you're, you're picking in that regard. And uh, I know, of course, uh, you're interested in the league as well. Yeah, mate. Yeah, oh, the, the stadium's happening. They're already. It's literally 50 metres from my work, and I'm watching all the diggers and, and everything happen already. It's, I think they've just gone through a box-ticking exercise to make sure that everyone had their chance to oppose it, so they can't come back, can't come back to the council and say, "Oh, we we didn't want it." You know, it's ridiculous. Okay. But, um, well, that's but, good. Yeah, sorry, um, that's good. I, I really look forward. I look forward to that decision. I really do. Yeah, we need it. We need it, um, mate. This uh, state of O series has been been awesome. Like, I mean, it's been a bit seesaw, but that game last night was absolutely fantastic and. I had a wee fill up on the first game because I um, had had a uh, power play which got me about 460 bucks. So I had a bit of, bit of tin in my TAB account and I went a bit silly on the old um, power plays last night as well. And I had I had Selwyn Cobbo first try scorer and Callum Ponga second try scorer, which um, I think the TAB refunded me because Selwyn Cobbo got knocked out straight away. Um, so I put a couple of others on, which was Bill and Tyne Holmes first, second or third. Try scorer and Queensland to win one to twelve, which paid three hundred bucks. Then oh. Dan Gagai and Valentine Holmes first try one of the two to be first try scorer, which is paying eight bucks, and uh, so I got one hundred and sixty out of that. And then I had Valentine Holmes to score a try in the first uh, nineteen minutes, which was paying twelve. So I got about five hundred and eighty bucks. <laughs> what a what a result, Tim! And uh, I mean, I, I don't often look at those uh, obscure type bets, those power play type bets, and and the variations. But man, you clearly do. Uh, clearly, something you study. Do you do that across the codes, Tim, or just specialise on the yeah. league? I mean, would you do it this weekend for the All Blacks? Yeah, look, and that's the thing because I've 
because I've won a few of them and had a had a, had a bit of coin in the in the account. I always look at those power plays and, and I, I don't do, I try not to do anything under sort of paying tens, you know. And so you you lose quite a few of them, but when you get when you get a win, you get a get a good one. So would you have one in mind for the weekend, or you haven't done your study yet? Um, I just um, I just put um, I think forty bucks on Ryan Fox to finish top five. He's paying twelve yeah. at the open. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, but I haven't really looked at oh, like the, the power plays. The power plays don't yeah. come out until sort of like a couple of days before the game, so the, I'm not even sure if the ones for the rugby are on yet. No, they'll probably wait for the team namings, I'd imagine, and that uh, for the All Blacks is at yeah. 11.30 this morning. Tim, hey, thanks very much for your call, mate. Appreciate that, and congratulations on some seriously clever punting there, and uh, I hope it goes well over the weekend as well. Thanks for, for calling in, and thanks for everyone that did uh, dial in this morning. Thank you. Um, I think we'll uh, give it to the boys, just give it a thumbs up there. We give it to, to Zay this morning with his passion and his, uh, his yeah, thumbs up, total all round. So uh, thanks to Tim also, and, of, of course, uh, to Neville from Dunedin as well for uh, participating. We'll have uh, another one tomorrow morning just after 9.30. Text from Sam uh, on the state of origin. Uh, last night was unreal. Uh, best origin in years. Rehaving it in New Zealand. No way. Bring us more Warriors games or more NRL. Origin Australia is Australia's game and it does not include Kiwis. The passion will die if they do that. I think Kiwis and Islanders born in New South Wales and Queensland should be able to play Origin and also for their country, but not players born in New Zealand. The NRL need to put on an international game the same week as Origin, uh, maybe involving the Kiwis or Tonga or Samoa or Fiji, so that those players not playing in Origin can also play. It will benefit the international game for those teams to play more regularly, but the NRL won't do it as they want the best players playing Origin and hoping that they play for Australia. Always agenda, Sam. You know, that uh, is always a method uh, to the madness of uh, why these, uh, they do these things at particular times. I'd imagine there's quite a few NRL head coaches quite happy to see some of their key players, not Origin players, uh, getting uh, a little bit of a breather every now and then. So... Uh, just so they can refresh everything. But, uh, you know, good theory. Uh, I like the theory. I, I just threw that out there. Um, it's been mooted, hasn't it, um, over the years that we perhaps would play a State of Origin game here. Uh, but uh, I, I think probably it, when you see it last night, uh, when you just see it, it never fails to sell out, does it? It's just absolutely spectacular. Why fix something that isn't broken, I guess, would be their attitude. So, Smithy, I got uh, an Thanks idea. very much for your text. Yes, Logan. Uh, you know, I mean, we've heard before that the NRL are considering taking a game to America, say like California or wherever. Yep. Wouldn't this be the best showcase of rugby league? And maybe, you know, don't just have like a preseason game. Have a state of origin game where you've got the best of the best really going at it. And yeah, it's on neutral ground. But I mean, I think that could be pretty epic there if you had something like that in uh, L.A. Yeah, well, I suppose it would have to be relatively close. I mean, you'd still rely on a, a big fan base travelling from Australia, so you have to make it relatively accessible and not too expensive. Um, I don't think they... Sometimes when you take those those sports slogan to places like America, you hope it's going to grow there. Do you, you, would league grow there? Do you think it would grow there? I, mean, I, don't I would think hope so, there. but yeah, that is definitely the goal. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think so. But we'll, we'll talk about that more. It's quite an interesting theory. Where, where, where would you take State of Origin... If you took it out of Australia. Interesting. 9.53, we'll be back with uh, a multi, hopefully a successful one this time. Sick to death of losing. We'll be back shortly.
You're listening to SENZ in the home of the Hurricanes, the Lions, the Pulse, the Firebirds and the Wellington Blaze here in Wellington on 7.11am. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the holder, know when the folder, Smithy's multi, know when to walk away, and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, I'm reviewing yesterday's one. Uh, I actually went with uh, the brain, uh, what I thought was the brain. Uh, I went with New South Wales to beat Queens, and I went with the market, actually. It was a buck 34 when I took the, the odds there, so... Uh, I just uh, thought New South Wales probably would, on the back of the performance uh, in Perth, be just a little bit tough to roll over. I knew Queensland would be better. Didn't expect them to be that much better. So uh, anyway, uh, today, uh, let's hope uh, that the Silver Ferns can beat uh, the men's team uh, on this this evening, and Staffy will have that call uh, on SENZ. So uh, Silver Ferns to beat um, the uh, Aotearoa men, they call themselves these days, Aotearoa men. Uh, Yankees to beat... The Cincinnati Reds at $1.28, heavy favourites there. And the Miami Marlins to beat the Pittsburgh Pirates at $1.55. So small fish are sweet there, $3.67. $3.67, Silver Ferns, Yankees, Marlins. Rugby League after the break. Craig Norenbergs will be in the studio. And we shall talk about that epic last night. The mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. What a game of footy last night. Unbelievable. You could say it had everything, including a bit of biff. It was just that outstanding, as was the coverage. It always is. Queensland versus New South Wales, arguably the pinnacle of how rugby league can and should be played with grit, determination and a high level of speed and skill thrown in as well. It was a series decider. There can only be one winner. And last night, of course, it was the Maroons, 22-12, to 12, making Billy Slater a happy man. He might just wake up with a hangover as well as no voice this morning. We might, we know that Darren Lockyer will wake up with no voice because he never got one. Uh, but honestly, it's just absolutely fantastic uh, to listen to them, watch those guys, those veterans of the game, celebrate. And on the subject of veterans, we have in the studio, very lucky this morning to have Craig Norenberg's with us, who uh, is an Aussie media veteran, stroke survivor. Uh, Craig, uh, good morning to you. Thanks for taking the time to pop in. You get to my age, you become a survivor. You understand this? It's a tough, it's a tough game, media. <laughs> and can, may I say, well, it is. I know I said, yes. th- I said this to your face once when I used to work at Sky Sport. I don't know if you remember, I came up to you and said, thank you, Ian Smith, for, for, for hours of pleasure as a young man growing up watching you play and also for being someone that's uh, inspiring and an incredible commentator. And I was absolutely genuine when I said it to you. So again, this morning, may I say before the, the population of New Zealand, what a pleasure it is. And, and I think SENZ is very lucky to have someone of your stature on air. Wow. Gee. Wow, well, Craig. It's true. I'm, and it's true. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. Thank you. And I do remember. Um, now that I've, I, I see the face close up, I do remember. Brief actually, encounter. And I appreciate that. Brief encounters of the nicest kind. Where did that rate last night for you, mate? Where did it rate? It, it, it reminded me of growing up as, as a young fella in the 80s when State of Origin was gritty. It had those big moments. You, you waited to see how the Queensland... It was Lang Park back then, of course, now it's Suncorp Stadium, to see how the big crowd would react. 
it's it's the national sport of Queensland is rugby league, and certainly they get behind it and the players they bring the passion. I was saying to my son in the car yesterday, and you touched on it just before the news, and we were listening to um, to SENZ and they were they were running through the market, and I was trying to explain to my my teenage son. Oh, geez, you wouldn't put money on Queensland, uh, rather on, on New South Wales. They weren't. It was too tight. You wouldn't put money on them. Mm. And I said, and I was trying to explain and said, because Queensland were paying something like $3. And I, I said, wow, maybe we should slip in and, and then jokingly said, but I won't. Now I wish I did, of course, because I was, then he was like, why? Why will Queens, a Queensland a chance? I said, because they're always a chance. They're always a chance, whatever game they go into, particularly at Suncorp Stadium. It is the passion that they show. And you could tell when they had the shots of the two change rooms, the two sheds just beforehand, New South Wales looked edgy and nervous. Queensland was calm. Billy Slater, the coach, was walking around just telling them what they should do. And I turned to my wife then and said, I think Queensland's going to win this. And they did. They were calm before, but they brought the passion out there. And what a start to have three players come off with head injuries. It was a it was like stepping back to the nineteen eighties when they used to have this softening up period for the first ten in. Craig, it was amazing. You know, one of the great themes we've been talking about. I don't say it's a great theme, but it's been prolific uh, theme this week. Is on the back of Angus Tavaal and sin bins and concussion and that sort of thing. Here we saw it uh, play out in the first two to three minutes of a game of rugby league, but in the end, it didn't detract from the spectacle the way they, they handled it. Nope. And there was enough, it was tight enough that it was good for the purists to go, wow, rugby league's tough. But it, there was also some brilliant play from the players. And as Wayne Bennett always says, fatigue makes cowards of us all. So as people started to get t- a little bit tight and it opened up a bit, you saw s- people chancing their arms. And as proved with New South Wales, some, some of the things the Blues tried, particularly in the halves, didn't come off, basically because they were tired and they were, they were just like, what are we going to do now? And at the more the game went on, they were trying to you know, get that lucky bounce, that lucky break. And the bounce seemed to go against them and went Queensland's way. I mean, as told by that that last um, uh, try, the intercept try that Ben Hunt, you know, where um, Cleary tried to chip ahead and hunt it, that, that is purely because players are tired. There was Tedesco was up in the line. There was no one back. There was a forward chasing him, ran all the way, scores the try. So in the end, it was fatigue. It was the which player could hang, as you, you'd understand this, having you know watched plenty mm-hmm. of test matches in, in both codes and, and big games. It's fatigue, as Wayne Bennett says, that, make, that not doesn't really make cowards of them, but in the end, one team gets fatigued and the other one just outlast them yep um, often uh, that is very much the case too Uh, one of the reasons I think uh, why the betting was a little bit lopsided as well of course is Cameron Munster wasn't there Mm. uh, Craig but uh, in comes uh, Tom Dearden on debut what did you make of that and the combination uh, with with, uh, Daly Cherry Evans Incredible. You, and you, you would have to say Daly Cherry Evans. Not many people actually – they said he played well because obviously Caelan Ponga had such a great game at the back that he dominated all mm. the talk. But you're correct. Tom Dearden was called in and once Munster drops out, everyone says, well, that's it, Queensland are gone. Dearden steps up. He's 21 years old. What are they going to do with him next year? They're going to obviously have to play Munster, but they've got Dearden who will be sitting on the bench. They'll have a guy, another guy to strike strike fear into their heart and the other guy who I thought played very well that was a bit unsung was Harry Grant who came on and just did the right things out of dummy half um, you know uh, to steer them around the park when it was needed you know Ben uh, Ben Hunt you'd hardly know he was there but he was playing his part and aside from scoring that last try but you're right the the Queensland halves dominated the New South Wales halves um, Luai and Cleary they tried some things that on any other given night might have come off but they were just swamped by the forwards who 
you'll hardly ever get a say in these games. So congratulations to Patrick Carrigan for being named man of the series. Normally it's the backs that dominate these things. But but Dearden and Cherry Evans, they just gelled on the night. And boy, you've, you've got to wonder if next year this, the, what's going to happen with... Um, with Freddie Fittler, he sees he's going to retain his place. What moving forward, what New South Wales are going to do? Because on paper, and we all know footy games aren't played on paper, on paper that New South Wales team, man for man, looked like, particularly in the halves, that they could have, should have beaten Queensland, but they didn't. Tedesco, of course, was always going to be um, a player that people highlighted. But as you mentioned, Caelan Pong, an unbelievable game, 299 metres, mm. 18 tackle busts, Four offloads, plus the try in the 60th minute. Uh, that is uh, stuff of legends, that, in, in a game of that stature. And you knew he was going to score a try because they mentioned it specifically when the player, when the teams were running out. Kalen Ponga, he's never scored a try in Origin, and of course he did 299 metres, as you say. But James Tedesco still ran 243 metres, and he did nothing wrong. Mm. So to shade out a player like James Tedesco, as Kalen Ponga did, showed what a special game that he had. Of course, you know, man of the match performance from him. Great to see. And under that pressure, as um, Joey Johns kept saying during the game, wow, at this level, wow, at this level, because he knows what it's like. And at that level, to be able to do the things that Kalen Ponga was doing to make it look like he had time and lots of space showed what form he's in. But he was lucky he's also got Billy Slater as the coach, to arguably the greatest fullback of all time to show him what to do um, it's just a wonder that Caleb Ponga can't bring that week to week when he's playing for the Knights but he can certainly show that he can bring it for Queensland now great player can I ask you a question Smitty what, what yeah, sure with with rugby league commentary and rugby union commentary are you is there a difference in, in the commentary there and what what did you think of young well, young he's my age Matt Thompson who's taken the place obviously of Rabbits Warren well, there's the thing. You, you can't, if you're Matt, Matt Thompson, you cannot replace um, Rabs Warren. You can't, but you can be Matt Thompson. You, you can't emulate Rabs Warren. So that's the first thing when you hop into a job like that. It's like stepping into a chair after Benno's been on air for half an hour. Don't try and be Richie Benno because you cannot, uh, because he's just simply the best. Uh, and Rabs was for such a long period of time. So you just got to create your own little uh, way of doing things, your own mannerisms, your own technique. And hope that people buy into it. A lot of people would have been saying last night, I wonder what Rabs would have made of that, you know, that last play. How would Rabs have described that last play? Well, the, the way that he described it to me didn't detract. It didn't detract from it because uh, what what uh, the beauty of commentary, I think, is, is Craig, is that uh, you don't um, um, overtake the game itself. You don't overtake the action. You don't want to dominate proceedings because the game doesn't deserve that. And I think he fitted him well last night, to be honest. He'll learn a lot from that. Um, great experience. What a one, one to call, you know. Uh, so that, that's the way I, I, I look at it. And, you know, that's why I like working so much with the likes of uh, Grant Nisbet and that because uh, they call the action, but the game is, they never dominate what's happening in front of your eyes. And I think that's really important. So that would be my piece of advice. Mm. But it, I thought it was wonderful. I mean, he, he called uh, a bit of biff, which I liked mm. straight after half time. I mean, you know, that takes me back to Mark Geyer or Wally Lewis, those great days. And, you know, it, it was, uh, they both got their marching orders. I mean, they'd been sent off in union. We wouldn't see them for about six to eight weeks from here on in. But, you know, it, it was pretty special. It's great theatre, isn't it? 
it, it's, it's magnificent like that. I, I had a bit to do with Matt Thompson when I worked in Australia and, and going way back. So I've seen the, the development of him as a person. And I know he, he when we talk about, you know, veterans, and he, he's been hanging around and waiting and patiently being kind of understudy while, um, while Nine and, and, and even Fox kind of was were in, his, in his ear all the time. So behind the scenes, which a lot of people don't know, is how hard he's worked to get there which is part of his journey to get there. And I was so glad that last night, often it's big games like that can, that can be the making of a, of a caller. And that, as you'd know, you need mm. a big event where, like, for example, say the one-day um, uh, cricket uh, World Cup final that you nailed, right? So I think he nailed the big event, the big moments last night, and that becomes part of the show reel in people's heads. So I'd, I'd have to say to Matt Thompson, I know he can't hear us, but I think he did a great job. Yeah. Yeah, job well done. Absolutely, a, a job well done. And and the thing that I, you know, the, the memory I've got is the, the game itself. But Ben Hunt walking back with towards that steady cam. You know how they have the camera on the try scorer mm. uh, in rugby league. They get right in his face, and he stared straight down the barrel, and he just said the one word, Queenslander. <laughs> Said it once. I love it. Said it all. Yeah, it did. And that's another bit that they'll clip up these days, you know, social media, and they can send it out, and it goes viral, and it becomes part of the legend, like Billy Moore's Queenslander call um, back in back in the in the nineties. And and you just whatever mm. it is that's in there, and you know, following on Twitter last night, what what the what the rugby league world was saying um, about it. Um, a lot of them were critical of of uh, Freddie Fittler for not picking Jack White in the team, and should he have picked him? And maybe White might have made the difference. Big, hard body that can you know, great tackler and can just run hard and, and fast. But no one on Twitter, and what it doesn't take into account is that Queensland spirit. And 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 it's an imaginary thing, is spirit. It's a bit like it, like work culture. What is it? But uh, to have that, there is something about a team that comes together, backs to the wall, that, that Queensland have it. Often the All Blacks will have it. Um, the, the Warriors obviously don't have it, and there are certain rugby league teams like New South Wales that can just bottle it when they, they're in a position where they're on paper that they should win it. But there's something about some teams, and I'm sure there's a, a PhD student somewhere who's written a paper on this, and Dr. Someone or other, or, or, or I can, <laughs> if you do a Google search, will have written, is there such a thing as team spirit, and what what part it plays that gets teams over the line. And we'll certainly see where the All Blacks bounce back, just to switch codes quickly. We'll see what kind of spirit they have against Ireland on the weekend. The same with the Wallabies against England, what kind of spirit they have. They should watch that game last night, get the players together and see what Queensland did right from the get-go, swamping New South Wales. When players went down hurt, they bounced back up again because it was brutal, some of the things. I I often wonder... Mm. Later in life, and I know with players like like Johnny Raper and Reg Gasney, they had terrible you know, knee injuries and, and hip injuries. Later in life, and we all talk about head injuries um, at the moment, which is which is fair because head injuries are a bad thing. But what kind of knee injuries? Mm. Watching those players last night just carting the ball up, front on defence, um, absolutely brutal. What effect that has um, later in life? Um, because those players throw themselves absolutely. I know they get paid fifty thousand dollars a player or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but long term, no, short term gain, long term, long term gain, and that's one of the beauties of it. As you said, it was just like an old fashioned um, Barney that they used to play in the eighties and nineties. There was a bit of biff, yeah. um, there was a bit of controversy. A couple of players sent to the sin bin, but generally, I thought that the referee Ashley Klein kept the control pretty well. He left that open. He allowed that little bit of niggle which he knew was part of the uh, origin folklore so you know 10 out of 10 for him because it was one of those classic cases with you barely knew that the referee was standing out there in the middle 
That is fantastic. It, it honestly is. And God, isn't that a subject at the moment? Hey, look, we, we, we know very well that you're a, a bosom buddies with Ricky Stewart. Uh, so here's the thing. Love Ricky. Uh, the, Warriors are about, <laughs> the Warriors are about to get Chan's uh, nickel clock stead, yeah. uh, it seems. Um, what impact will he have uh, at the Warriors, you feel? Great kid. And the impact is, we were talking about culture, is he's such a nice guy and he was universally known in Canberra as one of the good guys of the club. Just a real, there was, there was no gossip surrounding him. He wasn't a guy who was out on the lash all the time um, with the other players. And, and Ricky, I've, one of the great things about living here when the Raiders used to come through town before COVID is they eat at the same restaurant in Auckland every time that they come here. They get here a bit early and they come to um, New Zealand a little bit early so they can kind of acclimatise. And I get invited into the Inner Sanctum every time. Sit next to Ricky mm. and he sits the players down and says, right, that's the end of dinner. If you want to go out, you can go out. But I trust you that you're not, that you're going to go back to the hotel. And we've never had a, a problem of a raider in New Zealand going to the casino or whatever after Ricky's told them not to. Um, he used to rely on Chance as a New Zealander to lead that group when they were here and they always walked back to the hotel. They always went to bed early. Maybe they played PlayStation or read a book or whatever it is um, that the players mm. do. But Ricky could see Chance was a guy that he relied on and I would say that's what the Warriors will do. He's a different player to the kind of fullback they've had before. He's just a really solid guy, but he can cart the ball up. He's a guy, not unlike a Tedesco, who will get you the yards. Tedesco gets you yards because he's just quicker and he's just a big big guy. Um, Chance will get the yards that they need. And there's also talk about Joe Tarpany, who's also another Raider. If they can get him, which I hope they don't as a Raider supporter, but if they do, they're two really good guys for culture. So Chance is the start. If they get Joe Tarpany... I think I've got a player in the back and a player in the forwards that can at least settle the team down and say, guys, let's move forward rather than just being this team that's all over the place. So chances are signing a 10 out of 10. Well done, Cameron George. I know he wanted to come home. He'd split up with his partner. Um, so he, he wanted to come back to, to New Zealand just to be around family, I think legitimately. And a lot of players use it as an excuse these days being homesick. Uh, a lot of Queenslanders in particular. Craig, so, I Craig think absolutely fantastic. Yeah, thank you. A great uh, encouragement uh, for Warriors fans to hear the, that background and to his character in particular. Uh, hey, thank you so much for for popping into the studio. No, thank um, you. And Pleasure. Giving us the up, giving us the update on um, what you felt uh, about last night, and uh, particularly too what uh, the Warriors can look at look of ahead. Could they beat the Eels? Could they beat the Eels? No. One word, okay. no. So we don't need any more. Don't need any more. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Craig, Craig uh, Norenberg has been with us on the studio, folks, uh, rugby league pundit uh, and a survivor of being a veteran in the media in Australia. Still got his good looks because of it as well. Amazing. Um, good on you, mate. Good on you. Uh, thank you. Uh, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Cheers. And it's uh, 10.20 here on SENZ, and we shall be back with the panel very shortly. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Panel this morning consists of uh, Jamie Wall, who I understand is coming to us uh, all the way from Fiji this morning, uh, which is wonderful that he's uh, taken time out of his uh, holiday break. And uh, Graham Beasley as well. Now, you can find Graham Beasley. He has a website called sportsfreak.co.nz. 
sportsfreak.nz, sportsfreak.co.nz. Uh, Graham, good morning to you. Welcome to the show. I, I guess we've got to start off with uh, last night rugby league, uh, one of the great state of origins and recent memory for me. How about you? Oh, I agree. Good morning, Smithy, and good morning, Jamie. Um, yeah, what a what a fantastic series, actually. Um, some some state of origin series can be a little bit forgettable, but 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 this one had it all really, and. Um, with New South Wales just sort of pressuring um, all, all through that second half and then Queensland getting the runaway try, um, a fantastic end to it, really. And um, obviously, you know, um, in front of the Lang Park faithful as well, they'd have, um, they'd have quite enjoyed that, wouldn't they? They would have, uh, Graham. And what I quite enjoyed about it, um, and, and I, I understand the, the need to respect players' safety and welfare and concussion and all these sorts of things. Of course I do. Uh, but I, uh, you know, had had everything, and it seemed to be handled pretty well. Those first five minutes were interesting, weren't they? Yeah, with the um, with the three concussions. Um, yeah, that was pretty fiery. Uh, league league is being bold, and and you know clearly there there is that contrast with Union, um, with what we saw in Dunedin last weekend and what we saw last night. It's um, it's going to be an interesting one to follow as the as the two sports go down quite sort of different routes there. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Jamie, uh, good morning to you. Buller, I suppose we should say. Um, Fiji, uh, fantastic for you. Did you. Were you able to catch any of the State of Origin at all? Uh, yeah, um, <clears throat> Buller Vanaka, boys. Uh, yes, I was uh, able to watch it in the hotel bar with about <clears throat> 50 Australian journalists who are here uh, next door for the uh, Pacific Leaders Conference. Um, happening. Um, we tried to get the Prime Minister and uh, her Australian counterpart over to watch it for us, but they politely declined. Um, but yeah, yeah, I had, uh, had watched it um, uh, last night and it was great. Absolutely fantastic game. Um, obviously, I'm a New South Wales supporter myself, but uh, unfortunately didn't get the result we wanted. But I have to say, and Graham touched on it just before, it just shows what a contrast there is when you have a physical contact sport that embraces uh, its role as being a physical contact sport uh, and one that is trying to, I guess, uh, legislate itself out of any sort of um, uh, <clears throat> any, any sort of culpability when it comes to players getting injured because you're going to see that scrap uh, between Dane Gagai and Matt Burton replayed until the end of time when Origin comes on. Uh, you're going to see those hits where those those guys ended up on the floor uh, until the end of time um, because rugby league knows that it's contact sport. Um, it knows that it's part of the um, <clears throat> part of why people watch it, and it knows that uh, it, it's an entertainment product uh, that gets sorted out, and that state of origin is the number one part of that that product that they're trying to put across so you know for that to ha for that to happen i mean those guys got binned that's that was fair enough i guess uh but we're not going to hear any complaints about red cards or yellow cards or uh you know all that sort of thing ruining the game which is just un uh, what what we're probably going to have to put up with for the rest of the season um when it comes to talking about the all blacks so who's got it right then uh, Jamie, and who's, who's, uh, is there a right and wrong in this uh, when you look at the attitudes of the of two different codes? Well, I, I'd have to say rugby league's got it right uh, because at least they're being honest with themselves. Um, and, you know, it's much easier to uh, be uh, get, get your point across when you're being honest. 
Um, because I don't think world rugby are being honest. I don't think New Zealand rugby are being honest. And I don't think the All Blacks are being particularly honest about what they want to get out of out of the game. I mean, if you're just going to focus on, uh, like I said, reducing culpability, then you're going to detract from your own product. And all we've heard all week is about the influence that the laws of the game have had. And I'm not. I don't want to chuck the referee under the bus on this one because he had a set of rules or a set of laws that he had to adjudicate by and I feel like he did that you know pretty well I thought that I thought they did that it's the lawmakers that need to have a good hard look at themselves and say to themselves well what are we trying to sell here what are we what are we selling are we selling uh, a product that's entertaining and that that has 50,000 people at, at Lang Park you know buying for blood or are we trying to sell uh, a case to ACC because I, I just think that, you know, they need to get real and, and, and get their heads around the fact that it's no matter what they litigate, uh, people are going to hit their heads on things. Mm. Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Uh, fellas, we've got to take a, a short news break here. Um, we'll do that when we come back. Plenty more to talk about. All Black naming this morning. Actually, it's uh, around about an hour away. Very interesting uh, options there for Ian Foster and co. Uh, we'll talk about that shortly. In the meantime, here is Araha. The opinions, the panel. Uh, Graham Beasley with us this morning. Uh, his website is sportsfreak.co.nz. Uh, Jamie Wall is uh, in uh, Fiji on business. Um, and uh, the business we're talking about this morning, uh, we'll change the subject now to the naming of the All Black side, uh, gentlemen. And uh, Graham, we'll give you first uh, crack at this. Uh, what are you expecting from Ian Foster in around about an hour's time? It's going to be interesting to see how bold he will be. Um, I mean, I guess Scott Barrett goes back to six with Whitelock coming in. Um, that's pretty straightforward. Uh, will Jordan has to start and. Probably Havili comes in at second five. Um, I mean, I'd always thought that they'd like to get Roger Tavares-Shek off the bench at some stage in this series, but I think that's probably been shelved now. I think he'll go for a more conservative and experienced approach. Um, and other than those, I can't see too many changes, really. And those those three changes are pretty obvious and logical, But and they do strengthen the side, but they don't transform it. So... Um, it, it'll it'll be interesting if he um, if he tries to fit in any other changes as well. Uh, is it easier? Is it easier as just going back to to the first test, uh, Jamie? That's the thing. I mean, uh, Ireland are a slightly different side, particularly now away from Eden Park. The confidence levels must be massively high. Um, so apart from the odd change, what else do the All Blacks have to do? And and uh, what changes do you actually envisage? Well, Graham makes a great point there that it's more of a, a shuffle than a, than a turnover uh, of personnel. And and really, I think that even if you kept that same team from last week that performed so poorly, uh, you know, you, you, you're you still putting out an all-black team that people would probably accept reasonably well. I think that, you know, a couple of players definitely played themselves out of contention. I think Offa Tuangafasi is definitely one of them. If you're picking on form, you have to say that's one of the most one of the worst performances I've seen from an All Black um, in recent times. Uh, and obviously, if Samuel Whitelock is fit, he should probably come straight back into um, the team. Um, but again, uh, like I said, this is not so much about team selection. This is about the ability for the coaching staff to have transformed uh, one of the poorest performances you'll see from an All Black team ever. Uh, into a, a game 
a game-winning performance uh, and a game where it's that's suddenly become incredibly uh, important for this All Black team um, going forward. It has the kind of feeling of a knockout uh, game at a World Cup around it because of the circumstances leading up to it, the twists and turns that this this tour has taken. Um, and and I think that if this coaching staff has any shred of credibility left in them, that we don't need to see a, <clears throat> we don't just need to see a win this Saturday. We need to see a complete overhaul of the way that the All Blacks are playing. If nothing else, just instill a bit of confidence into the people who are watching this team. I I just think that the the rhetoric around the coaching staff has just gotten so uh, divisive and and so uh, opinionated that it doesn't really even matter what Foster does um, from now on because he's only ever as good as his last result. Uh, so I mean I think that even even a win, if it's not a convincing one those question marks are still going to remain. So this is a massive test uh, for this coaching group. Totally agree. I think one of the biggest uh, biggest test matches we've had, we say that quite a bit, but I mean it, I genuinely mean it this time around, uh, for the coaching group in particular uh, and for the support levels in New Zealand, which are, uh, they are crucial. Uh, they might um, shrug their shoulders and say, well, you know, we can't affect that. But uh, it is. It's massively important uh, going forward to the confidence levels of the fans themselves. Uh, Silver Ferns are in an interesting competition at the moment, Graham. Uh, playing the, against uh, the Aotearoa men's team tonight. Uh, they knocked over New Zealand A last night, and then they've got a mixed team to play. Wow, well, netball's changing face, isn't it? It certainly is. I don't quite understand what the mixed team is about. Is that, is that 50-50 male and female? Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, okay, that's, that's quite an interesting concept. Um, I mean, yeah, that was pretty impressive from them last night, I thought, um, first up. I think um, um, getting Sooners playing so well at centre, I think that was you know an, an area where people weren't really sure who was going to play there. And um, Dame Nolene has sort of picked a slightly controversial side, um, and she's picked it on form, but she knows what she's doing. And, um, you know, I think... Um, we should give her a few games to see how that goes rather than just write them off as such. And given given her track record, given how they did in that first up game last night, etc., um, I'm expecting good things from them as the Commonwealth Games. What about you, uh, Jamie? Are, are you uh, got expectations of a decent coloured medal? Oh, absolutely. I think that um, you know the Silverfins should be aiming for gold at no matter what. Uh, competition they're playing and um, especially with a coach like Dame uh, Nolene at the helm and she's obviously got a plan she's she's a you know well-respected coach and like Graham alluded to she's picked a slightly controversial team based on fitness levels uh, rather than you know individual performances which is an interesting interesting concept given the narratives around female sport at the moment I mean that's another big issue that probably we don't have time to get into here. But she went ahead and picked her, picked her team and proved herself uh, proved herself correct because, you know, if there's one team you probably want to beat, if you're picking a, picking a side like that, it's the best of the rest who probably sitting there feeling like, hey, hang on, I should probably be in this team. So uh, pretty convincing one there. Great to see good performances from the shooters. Uh, and also... Some good performances from the NZA team um, as well. Amelia and Ignacio, you know, it's proven that if need be, she can be called up. Um, but the, yeah, you you touched on the concept of the tournament itself. Um, obviously, having the New Zealand men's team in there a couple of years ago, obviously got a lot of interest uh, in it because people just wanted to were curious and wanted to see how it go. 
goes. Um, I'm quite keen on the whole concept of a mixed team as well. As someone who's played a bit of social indoor netball, um, it, it's cool to see that concept um, be taken to the highest level. And perhaps it's it's going to be a way of providing a pathway for, for players to maybe take that form of the game a bit more seriously. So I, I applaud New Zealand Netball for going ahead and just trying something new just to see how it works. It's always awesome when um, sports governing bodies do that. So let's hope that it's going to be a competitive series. Uh, Genoa, I'm going to play you a, a bit of a, a tape here and uh, just remind you of the fact that it was three years to the day, three years to the day that this happened. It's going to be on Martin Guptill. It's going to be on Martin Guptill. Two to win. Guptill's going to push for two. They've got to go. It's got to throw. He's got to go to the keeper's end. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. By the barest of all margins. Absolute ecstasy for England. Agony. Agony for New Zealand. Well, I didn't play it because it was uh, my commentary, but what I played it was, it was such a poignant time in our uh, cricketing history, our sporting history, and uh, Jamie, I would imagine you recall it uh, pretty well. It was an early Monday morning for a lot of people in New Zealand, and a long one, and a painful one. What are your memories? (laughs) You're asking the wrong guy, Smithy. Um, I was actually on a plane to Buenos Aires uh, that night, so I missed the whole thing. My only memory of it was that... uh, they announced it over the the intercom. I was on. A, I was. I was actually on the same plane as the All Blacks heading over to um, to Buenos Aires for a, for the Test match over there. Um, and uh, I I punched the seat in front of me and I unfortunately woke up the bloke in the in the seat in front of me. So sorry to that guy uh, who's on his way <laughs> back to back to Argentina. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, uh, it was really interesting because once we got to Buenos Aires, um, a lot of the team had already arrived, and Dad somehow found a way to watch it and and on Argentine TV. Uh, and the whole first press conference uh, with the All Blacks was was talking about the cricket, which they were, which meant it was one of the more memorable press conferences you get at the All Blacks because um, it was it was a good decent conversation. We sort of helped heal each other's grief uh, through talking about it. So that's my main memory memory of it. But yeah, like I said, I didn't actually see one second of that entire final because the plane took off just as the uh, the first ball was getting bowled. So I think Graham's probably the better one to, to talk us through that. Well, Graham, sportsfreak.co.nz. Uh, yeah, I, honestly, um, I, I think I'm over it. I, I think I'm over it. That didn't help, but I think I'm over it. Yeah, I don't think I am, actually. And listening to that, to that replay again just then, you know, it all comes flooding back. Um, I watched that super over from behind my couch in my living room and um, I sort of crawled out from behind the couch at the end of it and just sort of, it took me hours to process it. You know, what has just happened here? And there were so many issues, you know, the ball hitting Stokes' bat and going for four, Bolt taking that catch and then stepping over the line when, you know, he'd taken some fantastic catches earlier in the tournament. And just all those little things went against us. Um, and, you know, I, I still don't think that as a cricketing nation we're over it. Um, the World Test Championship win last week, uh, last year, I should say, went some way towards um, towards the therapy, but I think we will still really struggle, you know, and until we win a, um, a 50 over World Cup, I think. You know, we will always keep looking back to that day. Um, and, uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's, um, it's etched in, uh, in our cricketing psyche. It is, absolutely. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time this morning. Uh, I've enjoyed chatting to you on uh, a various uh, array of subjects there. 
Uh, Graham, thank you. Uh, excellent. Uh, thanks for joining us. And to you too, uh, Jamie, enjoy the rest of the time that uh, you're in Fiji. And uh, we look forward to Saturday night, the biggest test for a long time for the All Blacks. Truly is. 10.43 here on SENZ. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand pacing for purpose season two. Well, our pacing for purpose uh, is to raise money for Women's Refuge. That is the charity of uh, SENZ Mornings Show. We have uh, two opportunities. Uh, We'll give you the Greyhound one a little bit later. Uh, But our uh, horse uh, tomorrow night is racing at Alexandra Park. Uh, The race goes at uh, 8.49pm. It is race seven. The horse is number three, Zarius. Number three, Zarius, which has showed some real grit of late and a good second last start, drawn off the front and can win in an open race where there are a number of chances. But Zarius is our pick uh, going into pacing for purpose uh, this weekend. Uh, sorry to Brett and to uh, the other person that texted in. Uh, we didn't really mean to play that replay of the commentary of that game to hurt anybody or to upset anybody or to bring back bad memories. But we just uh, thought it was three years. Man, time flies, isn't it? Three years. Goodness me. Uh, we'll be back very shortly uh, talking to Louis Herman Watt and to uh, Pip Morris. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Well, Louis Herman Watt is uh, in the studio, so he's obviously getting some good overtime this morning. Um, look, I had Louis, I had everything sorted out to talk about Woodville today, but uh, I see it's been abandoned. Yes, Smithy. Um, firstly, huge overtime, punching my timesheets. I've actually um, got like a school trip in here. Kidding. We've got, we've got New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing in the building today, which is very exciting for the Love Racing slot. Love Racing Donnie Dead slot. Um, hey, Woodville, though, you can't have too much of a crack about this because they binned it a couple of days ago. So they had the foresight. There'd been that much water. I saw a uh, picture of the track. It was like it was like a duck pond, so there was no point racing. Mm. So uh, this is probably slightly different to some of the abandonments we've had. I'm not just saying that because I've got a gun to my head by New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing in the, in the room right now, um, but it is a lot different to some of the ones we've had because what we know when you cancel or abandon a meet a few days out, uh, you don't see the stakeholders there, uh, owners, trainers, jockeys, everyone gets updated, and you can kind of reset and start planning your horses. It's not ideal, but the weather is so. This weekend, hopefully... Uh, the Wellington Steeple and Hurdles Day can go ahead because last year mm. it got binned off because of that weather. But um, by all accounts, it's looking like it will be likely despite some heavy weather earlier in the week. So that's a massive day for the jumpers of CD and just being able to run that prestigious race again. Very exciting times for everyone involved. And as we know, this season, Paul Nelson, Karina McDougall, Sean Phelan, they got a mortgage on jumps racing, don't they? So uh, you'd be following them to your nosebleeds. And then up north, they go to the beach, Smithy, for some racing at Ruakaka. Where the turf meets the surf and uh, where the local trainers are generally to the fore. Yeah, and they will be. I've actually, um, I've already had a good look. We got Chris Gibbs on breakfast tomorrow morning and he goes super when he gets up there and he gets to have a, a clean run at them. So this is the, uh, it's the ICM and Jib Series finals. So they've got the sprint, they've got the stayers, they've got the three-year-olds race and the two-year-olds race. The fields are super. 
must say, the fields are, are super. They've come up so even, and there are a couple of odds. I'd be very wary, although we tipped out Jodel and Gal this morning, and somebody has absolutely smacked it. It's $6 into four fifty in a space of about an hour, so the money's on for Jodel and Gal. But speaking of the locals, in the three-year-old winner championship series final, I quite like... Uh, cruisy lass as a as a local chance at eight fifty and two seventy. I think the step up to the mile is going to suit the super easy chestnut filly to an absolute T. I think she's running super races in behind them, and I'd just be wary taking anything short because it's a super field. Smart Rocks has won there well. Saracen won there really well. Uh, Billy Bunter went in behind Saracen that day. But I just wouldn't want anything kind of under that six, seven dollars. So maybe wait if you like them, see if you can get a drift. But for me, Cruzy Lass, I think she's a, a proper filly who probably deserves more than one win for her ten starts, and maybe she could break through in a break through in a nice race for sixty thousand dollars. So where the surf meets the turf, Ruakaka's got some ripping racing. The two-year-olds, as uh, I mentioned before, it's a great race. Deploy Wessex, Abandoned, Villain, Fernandez, Pacific Dragon, Timeless. Like these are proper juveniles. So uh, yeah, it should. An awesome day up there. Well, uh, New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing should be very proud of you because <laughs> we've got no races today. But you are fantastic, so uh, I hope Thanks they so. keep you on, Louis. Right. I'm sure they will. I'll send you we'll half across the time sheet. Yeah, good on you, bro. Uh, Pip Morris, Pip Morris uh, from uh, the TAB. Uh, good morning to you, Pip. Uh, busy day, Cambridge and Addington. Plenty for the Greyhound racing fans to look at. Good morning, Smithy. It certainly is. And, of course, Addington will be the last time Trevor walks uh, calls this evening. So I think a meeting that many will want to tune into will certainly be an emotional uh, night. And it's, of course, the Group 1 South Island champs out of Addington. Got the Group 2 Canterbury Futurity over the 520 metres. The sprint as well, and an amazing undercard, including a distance where no keeper and Raja Bale will go head-to-head, Smithy. There's power plays available on all of those markets, which are open and in the sprint, really like Master Porthos to win, but there's a nice power play there, Master Porthos to win, and Chatty Mavis to run top for it, $3.60, I think that's a really nice play, and a couple of sports, a nice bonus back promotions too, just quickly, Smithy, enhanced the golf for bonus back in the Open Championship, of course you can back someone to win the outright, and if they don't, but they finish top 20, you can get a bonus back up to $50, so a nice incentive there, but yeah, I'd really tune in to Addington today, or this evening it's going to be a great meeting. Yeah, it is. And uh, all the best. All the best to Trevor Wilkes. We'll go uh, to the World Games after the break. Here's the news with Araha. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.03 here, New Zealand time, but uh, for our next guest, it is in a totally different, uh, different time zone, uh, but we need to make sure, first of all, that uh, we get the geography right, because just a little bit confusing, because the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, England, are 14 days away. There is currently another global multi-sporting event happening in Birmingham, Birmingham, Alabama, probably better known for their uh, American football, their barbecue, their buds, etc., but that's where our next guest is, a friend of the show, of course, a very familiar voice to us here on SENZ. Uh, Mark Watson finds himself uh, over there. So, Mark, uh, uh, I'm not quite sure of the time zone, I imagine. It's, uh, good afternoon, mate, uh, or good, early good evening. Uh, how, how are you finding Birmingham, Alabama? 
Yeah, thank you, Smithy. Lovely to be on the program. Yeah, we're sort of um, six hours ahead of you guys, uh, seven hours ahead of you guys, but you're a day ahead, if that makes sense. So it's just ticked over six o'clock mm. in the evening. Uh, look, yeah, look, um, before I sort of get into uh, what I'm actually doing here is, yeah, Birmingham, Alabama, famous for the civil rights movement. So it was here in 1963 that Martin Luther King and a group of others from the Southern Baptist Church said, enough is enough. We want equal rights, Birmingham, Alabama was arguably the most segregated city in the United States and um, black people weren't allowed to be part of the police force, the fire department, bank tellers, clerks, uh, separate drinking fountains, separate sort of public amenities. And it was really from here that they went on these peace marches and sort of got a whole lot of university students and young kids to march as well. And they got a sort of a resolution two months later in May and then from here, those peace marches picked up, went around the country, ended up in Washington in July later that year. And that was when uh, Martin Luther King had his famous speech, I Have a Dream. So very famous for its civil rights. Uh, but it playing host to the World Games. And that's what I'm here for. The World Games have been going since 1981. They are supported by the International Olympic Committee. And they are considered to sort of be the Olympic Games for non-Olympic sports. So 34 sports in all. 3,600 athletes, 1,500 accredited media, and it basically runs for about 10 days. You've been there before. Have you done uh, done a World Games before, Mark? You've been, you're a well-travelled man. No, look, I haven't. I'm probably like a lot of New Zealanders. I didn't really know much about the World Games. I think in New Zealand we tend to be so focused traditionally on the Commonwealth Games and on the Olympics that a lot of people you talk to are going, what? Never heard of them. Yet when you come here and you see the size of the Italian, the French, the Scandinavian countries, you see their teams walking into the opening ceremony, it's sort of like, how have we missed this? How have we not seen a lot of this in the past? So it is a first for me, and it is a big challenge, because there are a lot of sports here that I have to say I'm not that familiar with. Well, it's uh, one of the great parts about it. I guess uh, you're learning all the time, and that's... Uh while well, we've got you on as well, so you can, we can be better informed about the whole deal. What about a New Zealand team? Uh, how many how many have we got competing over there and what kind of disciplines? Yeah, so we've got a couple of New Zealand teams in canoe polo, um, that, which is actually quite strong. They have a facility there at uh, Lake Pupuki in Auckland. Um, we've got a couple of archers who have been in action. And then we've got a, a team in the women's in a game called Fistball. Now, Fistball has been going really since about 240 AD, based on my research. And Fistball is a combination of volleyball and beach volleyball. So it's played outdoors on a grass court. The length of the court is 50 metres. The width of the court is 20 metres. And you have five players on each team. You have a service line that is just three metres back from the net. The net is set at two metres. And so like volleyball, you've got to get the ball back over the opposition's net. You're allowed to, you're allowed to touch the ball three times on your side. But the difference is the ball can bounce once after every touch. And I've got to say, calling uh, both men's semi-finals this morning and then the women's bronze medal match. I was just absolutely impressed by the skill set. Uh, Germans are world champions. Uh, Brazil were in the mix. Switzerland made it through to the final as well. Um, Austria, very, very strong at it. And so our New Zealand women's team finished fifth in that, beating the United States in that playoff of fifth and sixth. Uh, in regards to other New Zealanders, look, I I'll be honest, I, I just haven't had a chance to go through the disciplines. I know previously um, we have had a lot of competitors competing in the surf life saving side of it. 
So they have pool events over here, which um, are based around surf lifesaving, mannequin events, uh, swimming with obstacles. Now, you might laugh at that, but that is actually a big part of the World Surf Lifesaving Championships. Uh, when the New Zealand Surf Lifesaving team go to the World Championships, the second week is dedicated to that. Um, the Australians are big on it, but they don't actually have the beach component, just the pool side of it. Mark, uh, when we talk about the Olympic Games, the Commonwealth Games, etc., we, we we sort of envisage uh, mass villages, but we talk about when we talk about sporting venues, we've got stadiums, purpose-built stadiums, etc., Olympic-sized swimming pools, etc. What kind of quirky little venues then have you got for these particular sports that you've been to? Yeah, look, they've got some traditional venues. So, like this flag football tonight, which, believe it or not, I've actually got to go and commentate, which is basically like flag rugby, except it's American football. So, I'm just using YouTube to do a quick couple of tutorials on it. Fortunately, I've got an American voice next to me to give me a bit of credibility. Um, but that's been actually played at Legion Field. And now, Legion Field was, was used for the Football World Cup when it was held here in America. Um, it's also a famous ground. The big university over here is the University of Alabama, known as the Crimson Tide. Nick Saban coaches them. They've arguably been the best American collegiate football program in the country, and their big rival is Auburn. And that game was always played at Legion Field. Um, that's not the case now because both universities have their own world-class facilities. But what they've actually done with a lot of the sports is they've just gone into big conference centres and basically just set up indoor courts, um, further down the road, you know what the Americans are like. They just seem to have so many venues. The hottest ticket in town has actually been the sumo um, smithy. And so that was fascinating, fascinating. So rather than just the Japanese and maybe some Mongolians and a few Hawaiians, you had these sumo wrestlers from right around the world. And they actually put them into different weight classes and even the women. And there was a lot of controversy because in the sumo, You've got the dojo, which is very sacred, and the sport is based a lot on tradition, and there's a lot of things you can't do. And the Egyptian ended up winning one division, and he was so happy that he actually did a backflip and showed a lot of emotion, which is just a major no-no. You just do not do that. The whole thing is about humility. The whole thing is about respect. And he should have been disqualified, but the crowd was behind him, and the police presence at this facility was unbelievable. And so they ended up having a little bit of a, they had a replay and the Egyptian won it again. And this time he showed um, a little bit more respect, only for a Ukrainian athlete, believe it or not, 10 minutes later to come out and decide that it was his turn to do a couple of aerial somersaults. And yeah, there was a heavy police presence that caused a lot of controversy over here. And that is the one thing, downtown Birmingham, Alabama is pretty much shut down, huge police presence. Um and just making sure that these games do run well. They are the biggest event to come to the United States since the 96 Olympics in Atlanta. Uh, but yeah, just getting back to your other question regarding the events, uh, part of these World Games is that you pretty much have to utilise the facilities within a city. They're not, they don't want to be the Olympics. They don't want to cripple cities economically by having to build all these facilities that end up just becoming a white elephant. But you know, like a lot of American facilities, they're just so much. They're, they're just so incredibly well resourced. They can to what we get in New Zealand. Okay, uh, let's look at one or two of the other sports that catch my eye here. Ballroom dancing, artistic roller skating and tug of war. Yeah, look, I this is this is uh, I went and watched the ballroom dancing the other day, uh, and and I've got to say I, I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. To be perfectly honest, I mean, there's a lot of ceremony to it, but the precision and um, yeah, what I watched. 
So I found it quite entertaining. Look, will it ever become an Olympic sport? Probably not. But then you have to understand breakdancing is the next Olympics in Paris. And that came out of the World Games. That is still going at the moment. The breakdancing has been run in a really cool sort of industrial park. And I was watching a little bit, bit of that the other day. And you can't, you, you can't argue the athleticism, whether it's a sport, whether it should be there is another thing. Yeah, artistic roller skating. Well, I guess, look, is it really any different than ice skating at the Winter Olympics? Um, I guess that is the question. Uh, but they've got, you know, still got a lot of the traditional sports like the rhythmic gymnastics here as well. Um, but yes, modern sports like parkour, uh, that sort of running sort of through the streets, doing acrobatic aerials from sort of wall to wall is another part of the program. So, yeah, I don't be surprised if you see a few of these um, sports in the future go to the Olympics. The sport that I feel um, probably has the best chance is inline roller skating. Uh, you know, they have the 10,000 metres out on the road, not dissimilar really to track cycling. You have the points race. Uh, they have the fastest over 100 metres, 200 metres. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of drafting that goes on. Uh, every country in Europe's well represented. And there was a guy, um, Bart, I'm just trying to remember his name, Bart Sills, I think, who actually won a gold medal at the Winter Olympics in ice skating and speed skating on the track. And it was Belgium's first gold old medal in 70 odd years at the Beijing Winter Olympics he turned up here and did the inline skating and just took the sport to another level he was incredible incredible over the 10,000 meter points race and just brought huge credibility to that event there's a movement apparently online to bring inline hockey into the Olympic arena in time for Los Angeles 2028 is is there merit in what you've seen in that yeah, I just actually watched the highlights. I didn't get to call it, um, but I just watched the highlights today of the United States uh, winning that one and very similar to ice hockey. Wonderful skill set. Uh, look, it's gladiatorial. Um, I think there's a lovely crossover. You know, a lot of Americans and North Americans who grow up playing hockey or ice hockey over there in the summertime. It's, it, it is sort of a natural crossover. And yeah, look, I, I think when you watch those sports live, I think New Zealanders would love it. If we, you like your rugby, you like your rugby league, you'll enjoy ice hockey, and I think you'll certainly enjoy your inline hockey. Look, look, what you want to do is you want to have sports that have got true global depth to them, where you know you're going to get really good competition throughout it. Um, and, and it's funny, you know, when you come here, you sort of, I guess, realise just how sheltered we are in New Zealand. And maybe, well, in my case, I, I, almost a little bit of ignorance on my behalf, because I'm being introduced to these sports. And then when I start researching them, you start to realise just how big these leagues are in Europe and, and just how big these sports are. And the fact they are sort of professional based sports. Uh, one of the sports that I thoroughly, um, thoroughly enjoyed um, calling was a hybrid version of ice hockey and field hockey it played indoors yeah you're in shoes you've got an aerated ball um and i could see that really sort of taking off in new zealand as well and um yeah, yeah. so yeah it's it, it, it's it's different the problem is i think it's probably just a little bit too different for the american audience particularly in the southern states the americans with the greatest respect i think tend to be a little insular like their nba like their mm. football um, not necessarily big ones for dipping their toes in and looking at other things. So I guess in some venues, the crowds have probably been a little bit disappointing. Okay, and it's interesting. What are, and what about um, viewing viewing numbers worldwide? Would you have any idea on on how well it's received worldwide? Yeah, it is. I mean, the fact that the IOC support it um, 
says that they clearly have a lot of interest. Um, yes, very big across Europe. We've got a lot of pressure on us as commentators from the individual sporting bodies themselves, uh, making sure that we give them, um, you know, we do our due diligence and we, you know, do the sports justice and some sports are providing us with experts to make sure that is done. But certainly, yeah, I know the global audience, I mean, 107 countries represented here and I'm told that we're going through more than 100 countries globally. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is tough as a commentator. There's only actually six of us. Glenn Lama actually is another one. Glenn's actually working out of New Zealand remotely. And then I'm over here with mm. three others. And so as a commentator, we've got to be really, we can do any of the 34 sports. I, I love that challenge. Um, and I love that, you know, just that, that, I guess, that fear of failure, Smithy, that sometimes goes with live broadcasting. But, yeah, by all accounts, I mean, the big production team here, the production company's based out of Spain, based out of Madrid, where the Olympic Broadcast Service is also based. So a lot of resource put into it, a lot of trucks, a lot of people employed. Um, I, I just admire the person, and you'll, you'll respect this, Smithy. You see all these television sets, you see a million people working at computers, and there's one person who knows how every single damn thing works which button to push and if you pull this cable out the whole thing shuts down who is that man who is that man <laughs> who is that man you couldn't do without him eh? any uh, outside broadcast and uh, there are a few of those around uh, new zealand as well i can promise you that uh, uh mark um i, I just uh, the, from the commentary aspect of it what, when you when you walk away and when these are uh, done and dusted and you walk away what do you reckon you're going to get out of it Oh, for me, look, this has always just been a childhood dream. This is just a passion for me. Oh, this is all I ever wanted to do. So oh, I'm just incredibly honoured that I'm part of an official archive um, for a really historic sporting event. No different than last year working in Tokyo. Um, you know, I got to call that high jump final. I actually was the official archive for Lisa Carrington for the IOC. And so when these things are played in museums in Lausanne and stuff, I guess that's really what makes me proud. But I, I, look, I, I've personally just been really happy with the way this has gone. I'm in a really good headspace with my broadcasting at the moment. Sort of got rid of a bit of anxiety, been carrying for a long time. And so this is just, yeah, this is the childhood dream. I don't take any of it for granted. I don't say no to anything. Like I did five hours of commentary this morning. I've just sort of come back here for a bit of a rest. I've got to go back in tonight. I've got the final of the women's softball, which is a repeat of the Tokyo Olympics. So that's between the United States and Japan. And then following that, you know, I'll make my debut in flag football. And, um, yeah, look, I, I, I'm just living the dream. I hope other opportunities come out of it. Um, look, it's never been about money for me. It's just simply, yeah, it's just an absolute love. And I, I just feel incredibly honoured, um, always have, and, yeah, I just sit here sometimes and I pinch myself a little bit and think of the size of the audience and where we're going. Um, you know, I sat there the other day into the Marathon Canoe, which was over 21 kilometres, a great race between Denmark and South Africa. You know, I'm working with some of the best um, commentators in the world, uh, some of the best experts in the world. And, you know, just, just getting their acknowledgement as well is, is really, really special, Smithy. So, yeah, I, I you know, I'm um, incredibly grateful. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, been, it's been tough. It hasn't always been, as you know, broadcasting, it's, it's up and down. It, it's, 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 sometimes I feel a little bit like that rock band that had to play every small, every small act around the country to sort of get your break. And, you know, I'm still learning. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, at the moment, I, I'm in a really, really good place with it. So, yeah, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. You mentioned, uh, Mark, uh, lovely to hear that stuff, actually, and uh, that you're getting fulfilled in that way. Um, you, you mentioned earlier on about uh, the significance of Birmingham, Alabama. I'm not sure 
Uh, you sound very busy, whether you've been out and about um, enough to get a, a real feel for the city. But would you real? Would you know? Um, is there any uh, any real indication of that you'd know how historic it was in terms of uh, civil rights? Yeah, look, when I turned up, and I'd always heard of Birmingham, Alabama, and then the, sort of the light switch went off when I suddenly started um, doing a little bit of research on it. I had to do a throwback to television New Zealand last week for breakfast, and I just wanted to make sure I you know, knew a little bit about the city. Uh, but yeah, when you come here, they're incredibly proud of it. You know, they know that it was this city that was a real turning point for the better of humanity. This is where it all started with Martin Luther King. There was a huge amount of segregation in the United States. I mean, you know, you had 60% of the population back in the 1960s was white, 40% was black, yet black people were two and a half times higher unemployment. They were paid two and a half times less. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, as a city, you don't come here. This is not Paris. This is not Rome. There's not a lot of famous landmarks. Um, at times, it's got that sort of slightly industrial feel, but in a funny kind of way, that is the romance. The romance is going to the Southern Baptist Church. It's going to the civil rights museums. It's talking to the people who, you know, when you do sit down and talk to the African-American population, they are incredibly proud. They all know somebody who was involved in those peace marches and... Yeah, and I, yeah, and you know, and, and they've been just the most gracious people, incredibly um, hospitable, and, and yeah, couldn't be more welcoming. And um, look, I've got an extra day here on Monday, and that's what I plan on doing is just really going to those historic civil rights landmarks and just taking some time. Um, but yeah, when you walk around the city itself, it's um, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing really that stands out. It's only when you sort of actually do your research, then you start to realise the significance of the town hall, of the city hall, because that's where those peace, marks, ultimate, peace marches ultimately ended up finishing. But you go back and you look at the photos and encourage people to do it. I mean, just the way the police treated the protesters, it was just, just how, how one, um, you know, how one group of people can treat another. Uh, 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 back then, you know, it wasn't even that long ago. It's it just diabolical, just appalling. Um, but yeah, but look, the other thing too, Smithy, I've been given the honour too of now getting to call a closing ceremony and really looking forward to that. That's wow. um, a sellout of 35,000 people. Lionel Richie will be performing. Um, yeah, so incredibly honoured to be able to add that to my CV and um, just take it all in. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so look, there is a YouTube through the Olympic broadcast. There is a, a live stream, definitely. If you can't get it in New Zealand, you can get it through YouTube through the Olympic channel. They're running a live stream um, pretty much every day. So, when we're on tonight, uh, you can catch the flag football. If you're into your softball, you can watch a repeat of the women's final from Tokyo last year. It should be a stunner. Uh, the two powerhouses, Japan versus the United States. And you might hear my dulcet tones there, Smithy, in the background, chipping in. <laughs> um, Mark, incredibly, I've loved this interview because I've heard a side of you um, which is incredibly fulfilling, to be fair. Uh, congratulations, mate, on, on what you uh, have achieved over there in a short space of time to be given the honours and the privileges uh, of calling those big uh, major events is fantastic. Uh, I, can, I can only be jealous of you and you're learning so much at the same time. Uh, the important thing is travel safe, mate. Uh, look forward to seeing you back home and uh, the studio's back here at some stage. Yeah, now, Smithy, my British commentators are constantly asking me, what's Ian Smith like? They loved you during the Cricket World Cup. I said, he's a gentleman, he's oh. a scholar. And there you go. So you've got a big fan base over here amongst my fellow British commentators, Smith, that they all know who you are.
Well, Mark, uh, grab hold of them and let them take you out for dinner tonight. You know why? Because it's three years to the day since they ripped us off. Three years to the day. So make sure you grab 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 hold of them and uh, say you owe me you owe me dinner, and this is the reason why. And Ian Smith said to, that it has to happen, mate. Hey, mate, thanks so no, much fantastic. for your time. Hey, cool. lovely, love, lovely really chatting imp- to you, Smithy. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Cheers, appreciate it. Mark Watson there out of Birmingham, Alabama, folks. Birmingham, Alabama. Wonderful, wonderful stuff, and uh, great to hear so much about different sports and, and uh, the venue itself. Sounds fascinating. 11.24. Ian Smith on SCNZ. We are minutes away from being able to reveal the uh, All Black Test team for the third test against uh, Ireland. Uh, of course, uh, that will be announced by Ian Foster any time now. We'll get that to you as soon as we possibly can. Uh, also, we will have a stump smithy and we'll uh, just have the stump smithy maybe on hold if we get the, the team uh, during the news bulletin. Uh, we'll announce the team, play the stump smithy, come back and talk about the team and uh, another of other issues as well that uh, we can particularly focus on. Uh, Just going into the news, uh, I can tell you uh, there is a charity day rugby match on the 23rd of July at at Hauraki North Rugby Club. It's to raise funds and awareness for motor neurone disease with the jerseys, among other items, auctioned off at the end. It's with the Thames Valley Rugby Union and for a guy by the name of Miles McDuff who's suffering from the condition. Uh, Can we uh, mention it on the radio? Uh, Certainly we can, we just have. So, yeah, um, anyone that uh, is in and around that area or can get uh, to uh, the uh, that particular fund at the Hauraki North Rugby Club, uh, that particular occasion, or are able to donate to, or funds and uh, make uh, more awareness to the motor neurone disease problems, uh, honestly, it is a crippling, horrible, horrible disease, robbing people of uh, their dignity before their life. It is, it is, I've seen it and it's just awful. So anyway that you can get uh, involved in that and help with that or make uh, contact with the, the people at the Hauraki North Rugby Club, um, that would be much appreciated. So thank you for that. It is uh, 11.31 here on SENZ and uh, we should have uh, a chance to stump Smithy now, 0800 150 811 with an eye on that All Black team as well. Here's Aroha. Breaking news, breaking news. The team has come through and the honour of naming it to you goes with uh, producer Logan Swinkles. Here we have the match day 23 for the All Blacks to face Ireland uh, at Sky Stadium in Wellington on Saturday night. Smithy, you're going to be there sideline. Can't wait for that. Here we go. George Bauer, Cody Taylor, Nipo Lolala. That is your front row. Brody Retallick, Sam Whitelock is back. That's your locks. Scott Barrett moves back to number six. Sam Kane at seven. Artie Salvier at number eight. Your half back and uh, first five pairing, Aaron Smith, Bowden Barrett, Sevu Reese on the wing, David Havili and Riku Yuani uh, in the midfield. That is also going to be Rico's 50th test for New Zealand. That's awesome. Will Jordan also gets the start and Geordie Barrett at fullback. Then in the, on the bench we have Smithy, Dane Coles, Aidan Ross, Offa Tonga Fasi, Akira Yuani, uh, Dalton Papali'i, Falau Fakatava, Richie Moanga and... Roger Tuavasa Sheck in line to make his All Blacks debut. Okay, that's the big one of the big headlines. RTS Roger Tuavasa Sheck has made enough progress in his time in the group to be granted uh, a very important debut, and it'll come at a very important part of the game. You can uh, really stamp that down. 
Uh, he's in the backline reserve bench, which includes the Falao Fokotava ahead of uh, Finlay Christie. That's an interesting one for me. I thought they might go back to Christie, but Fokotava stays. Richie Moanga, specialist number 10. So Roger Tuovasa Shek, he's got cover for a lot of those positions in the back line. One of the other reasons, of course, that, that he is there. Uh, Will Jordan starts, Rico Ioane shifts, no, doesn't shift, he stays, but David Arveli comes in uh, in the 12 jersey instead of uh, Quintapaya. Uh, and the big change in the forwards, uh, see Scott Barrett back to six. And Nipola Lala on the back of a pretty average performance by uh, all, all things going, by uh, Offa Tuongafasi, uh, assumes the number three jersey in the front row there. So they're basically... Uh, the highlights of the whole deal, and Dalton Popoletti goes from the starting 15 onto the bench. Akira Iwani goes into uh, a bench situation as well, and Aiden Ross, nice to see Aiden Ross there in Jersey. 17, so no Carl Tua Nukuafe either. Uh, we'll talk more about that very shortly, but uh, business at hand, of course, is uh, this one, uh, a very important daily part of our show. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. And it's been a big show this morning on ECNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. I actually quite enjoy reading out those team names. Uh, I hope I hope I do it justice. All Blacks, always a big occasion. Well, used to be a big tradition back in the day that they used to do it under the grandstand at Athletic Park after the possibles, probables trials. Uh, that they used to have in the good old days. One would play, Possible was playing white, Probable was playing black, and then the, the chairman of the rugby union, whoever it was at the time, would stand under uh, the grandstand there. The players would all assemble, and they'd find out if they were in or out, and they used to read them out. D.B. Clark Waikato. Ah, that kind old, of thing, all the way school. through. W.F. McCormick, W.F. McCormick, Canterbury. I love so that. it was, you know, it was cool, absolutely cool. Yeah, anyway, you did it pretty well. But you can work on it. There's work to be done. <laughs> There's always work to be done. No, I appreciate that, Smithy. Always welcome to feedback. But we are the business at hand. We have stumped up for grabs today is a $50 TAB bonus bet. Let's see if we can get that up to $100 for Friday, shall we? Joining us at the crease, we have <clears throat> sorry, Mark from Taranaki. Come in, Mark. Yeah, how are you going? Hey, I hope you don't get it up to 100 for Friday, just quietly. Yeah, well, I'll be trying, Mark, from Taranaki. <laughs> I shall be trying, but we'll give it a go. What are the subjects today? What are the subjects, Logan? Yeah, it all depends on your your strengths and weaknesses here, Mark. The topics today are golf, American football, and boxing. I'll have to go golf. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Cool. to it. Yeah. Whew. Brave man. Brave man, that is all I can say. Of course, we've been leading up to the, the open, the open championship this weekend. How many times has that tournament been pl- previously played? Well, it's the hundred and fiftieth, uh, so I'd have to say it's hundred and forty-nine. <laughs> Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Yeah, right mate. In the slot, and the way it goes. Yeah, that was just, that was yeah, an yeah. easy gimme to to warm you up. Just do a little bit of mess there. Brilliant. Well done. Uh, Work that out, Mark. There was a trap for young players there, but you didn't fall into it. So well done. Question two. <laughs> Second question. In the World Golf Rankings, Rory McIlroy uh, recently jumped up in the men's. What position does he currently hold? Ooh, Rory. He won that tournament, the Canadian Open. Uh, mm. 
and he has been uh, God Awadi. I don't know, Sheffler at one. That, uh, I, I'm, I, I think he's three or four. I'll say three. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Mm, not well, three. Smithy. I've I, I got absolutely no idea. Um, but honestly, when you win a, a, a tour, uh, tour event of that magnitude, you do skyrocket up. He, I think he was probably about uh, five or six. So I'll say that he has improved to number four. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. He moved up from third to second. Oh, really? Second in the world. Okay. Rory McIlroy. Damn it. That's okay, Mark from Tananaki. You're still on the line. You still got the $50 TAB bonus. Be up for grabs. This one goes to our man, Ryan Fox. He's moved up in the world rankings as well. What spot does he hold following his recent run of form? I believe it's 46. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Now, this this isn't... Yeah, he was 46. Yeah, he was 46. He was 46 going into the Scottish Open, um, and he didn't finish in the top 30 or 40 in that. uh, Finished outside that group, I think. So I'm going to say he may have slipped to 48. Still in the top 50. How how does that sound? Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot. And away it goes. Uh, it sounds pretty good to me. It sounds pretty good to Brian Smithy. You stumped him. You got me, Smithy. Oh, oh Mark, honestly, uh, absolute. Uh, I just knew that he, he wasn't going to improve. And when I uh, when you said 46, I, and he, I knew he wouldn't go down by many. So it was 47, 48, 49. Took the middle one, mate. So I'm sorry about that. I, but I, thanks very much for taking hey, no part. Hey, no worries. Yeah, good on you, Smithy. Good on you, mate. Get on. Thanks for calling. Uh, we'll be up to a hundred bucks uh, for that reason tomorrow morning, folks. A hundred dollars on uh, Stump Smithy, and uh, we'll look forward to your calls just after eleven thirty tomorrow morning. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we've got quite a few uh, texts to get through, and we'll repeat that All Black side as well as we get towards uh, having a quick chat with Staffy, who's been commentating the netball here on SENZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand Charity Run. Yep, we gave you the horse, the Pacing for Purpose horse before, and now it's uh, time to give you our Greyhound pick for today. In fact, uh, any proceeds go towards uh, Women's Refuge, of course. Uh, This race will uh, happen at 4.06 this afternoon. It'll come out of Addington, and it is race one, number four, Hunch. Race one, number four, Hunch. Uh, It's today at Addington at 4.06 and hoping to rank some more money for Women's Refuge in the process. All right, a few texts to, to get through here. Uh, g'day, the idea that players developing chronic head injuries for our entertainment is good is just flat out concerning. Absolutely, totally agree with that. Um, and that was on the basis, uh, I think, of the panel uh, where we talked about how good it was to see a bit of biff, etc. Uh, in the game, but the, uh, there's still got to be caution about that. You're dead right. Uh, and the care that they take in both codes now uh, is a lot more than it used to be, I can promise you that. So, uh, And that's why I'm simply not a big fan of UFC because I can't see anything. Good coming out of that, apart from one or two people getting slightly rich and one bloke getting a hell of a rich. Uh, that's just the way I look at it, but um, kneeing somebody in the head to me. 
Hey, Smithy, sorry, I, I just tuned in. Did the gents say, and this is Craig Norenberg's, uh, when we interviewed him earlier when he was in the studio, did he just say the Warriors are after Joseph Tuppany? If so, that uh, is huge news. Uh, he's uh, in the form of, of his life, a massive ball runner, and can offload a ball regularly. Can get, you get someone to clarify that? Well, we'll try and do that. Uh, we shall try and do that, but certainly that was intimated by Craig that there uh, is a serious bully going around that... Uh, he uh, is a possibility, and if that, that came to pass, one at the back, one at the front, uh, acquisitions from uh, the Canberra Raiders. Smithy, what's the point of having RTS there? Uh, Foster and the other Stooges need to grow some and play him and give them a licence to just play the game. Well, Mark, the good news is they have decided to play him off the bench. So there you go. Uh, Goose has come in. Uh, Smithy, after Origin last night, I've been thinking about the difference between union and league when it comes to a head knocks. Angus Ta'aval got sent off for an accidental head clash, head clash, whereas in league, the same thing happened to uh, Cameron Murray. Murray came off, wasn't allowed to return, so league are protecting him. A card in rugby doesn't protect the player. It will still happen. Uh, interesting observation there, Goo. Uh, hi, Smithy. Why wasn't that guy from Queensland sent off uh, when he threw punches? Because his forward teammate was holding Burton, and, and the other guy was hitting square in the face and Burton got the yellow card. And when he was defending himself, the Queensland guy should be suspended for a few, good few weeks. Gary from Wanganui. I don't know if they have a judiciary in that regard or whether uh, the sending off is uh, good enough for them in, in that uh, particular case or the sin butting is good enough for them in that particular case. Not too sure about that. Try and get some clarification for you. Uh, Smithy, that game last night was fantastic. Hopefully the All Blacks watched it. That's what playing for your jersey team state is all about. Test matches should be like that. Couldn't get to sleep for a while after the game. Great shows on SENZ, great radio station. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Andy. Uh, appreciate uh, your sentiments there. And, yep, I was like you. Struggled to get to sleep after that exciting finish. Hey, team, epic game last night. That uh, second half, man, was mean, especially the last 20. How about the, through the origin period? We have a similar series, north versus south, all Kiwis, NRL, Super League, and our own National League. Would be good to help the growth here in New Zealand. Good thought, Chris. Chris from the OT. Uh, it's time to take a quick break, and when we return, uh, we'll have a chat to Staffy, who's been uh, commentating the netball. What he made of uh, the performance from the Silver Ferns last night, first up. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.